All right, guys, today I want to talk about sexual sins. And it's a topic that you don't hear many people talk about, uh, especially in the Christian community. But nevertheless, it is so prevalent. And when we talk about sexual sins, it comes from that basic root word in Greek, porneia, which means all types of sexual immorality, homosexuality, uh, heterosexual sins with sexuality, where that is um, fornication or adultery or even pornography itself. And this is rarely talked about, but the truth of the matter is it is a big problem in the Christian church, not only simply a problem with leadership, because that's when we really hear about it, but we hear about it from the perspective of the leaders have fallen in, whether it's some type of homosexual adultery or whatever the sexual sin might be. Then it's a big hoopla and we hear a lot about it. But the truth of the matter is, it is something that every single Christian has to deal with and needs to come uh, forward with that these things are in us and we are fighting these things all the time. And we sometimes fail in these things, whether it's failure with fornication, adultery, some form of pornography, because pornography is the secret stuff that we don't want anybody to tell about, whether it's the heavy stuff, the light stuff, it makes no difference. But we all have these sexual desires that flow because and from our flesh, and that is our physical bodies, fallen nature, the sinful nature that we have causes our bodies to desire wrongful things. And that's what we mean by the flesh, sinful nature. You see, when, when the Lord saved us, he implanted in us his own spirit. And that is we have what, even as Jesus says, the father and the son indwells God's people as well as the Holy Spirit. So the triune God lives inside of us and imparts to us this divine nature. That's what Peter talks about. But at the same time, we still have the fallen nature. That is the nature that is inherited through our father Adam because of the initial failure in the Garden of Eden. So we have dual nature. We have the divine nature of God that is inside of us, that has been uh, implanted in us, that transforms our very being. And then we have the fallen fleshly nature. That's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter seven, this body of death. We have that to the which we battle. And thus the, the, the divine nature always wants to seek to please Jesus, to please God and to do those things that are pleasing to God. But at the same time, here's that Romans seven again, the battle with the fleshly nature, the debate, the debased nature that seeks for us to live after the appetites of the flesh and the appetites of the flesh. The one in particular that I'm talking about today is sexual sexual gratification of the flesh. 
making the body happy in a sexual way. And thus it brings about all of the lewdness that comes with these things, whether fornication, adultery, homosexuality, pornography, all of that. So I want to briefly talk about, and I hope it'll be brief today, but I want to deal with the fact that number one, we need to come to grips. We need to be straight. We have sexual desires, whether in the body, they all come from the fallen nature of the flesh or just simply even in the mind and come to grips with that. You have stuff, crap that goes in your mind that your mind would take you to places, you know, that you go like, okay, 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 okay. No. And you just have to fight these things. And when you look around, you know, you, you, the world itself, let's be straight about it. The world itself always is highlighting something sexual. Everything is sexual in the world. You go to the doggone Walmart, people ain't dressing like they got sense. People are dressing like they have no sense. The world itself has cast away all, all sense of conservatism. When it comes to how you dress, how you present yourself, the language that you use, the language that we use is hypersexual. The way that people dress is hypersexual. The TV commercials, the TV program, every doggone thing is about sex. You are being attacked. We are being attacked by sex from every aspect of life because that's in the world. The world is constantly trying to get you to drown you in sex. But anyway, so how do we deal with it? Number one, you need to be straightforward. If you have sexual sins in your life, you need to repent and you don't have to be afraid. It's not, I always tell my, my church family, it's not always and so important about what you confess before men, but it is absolutely important about what you confess before the Lord. And two things. Notice, what did the writer of Proverbs say? That if, if we hide our sins, we will not prosper. But if we confess those sins and forsake those sins, we have the blessings from God. So that's number one. And number two, you don't have to be ashamed of what's going on inside of you or what's going on in your life before Jesus. Why? Number one, Jesus, the Lord, our God, he knows everything. You cannot hide something from God. Even what does the psalmist say? Even God knows our thoughts are far off before they're even formed in our mind. You don't have to be afraid to tell Jesus you're struggling with things, that you are being strongly tempted by things. He knows these things. And this is the very reason that Jesus came in the first place to deliver us from these things, to be our savior. Savior and deliverer basically means the same thing. Jesus did not come to save perfect people. Jesus came to save his people 
from their sins and sexual sins are a great part of the sins that we struggle with. So you don't have to be ashamed no matter what the sin may be, because sometimes you people think that, oh my God, I don't want to have to go and tell the Lord about me having these sins. The thoughts say, for instance, about homosexuality or there's this girl or woman uh, 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 on my job and listen, what does Peter say? Cast all your cares, not some of your cares, but cast all your cares before God. Why? He cares for you. He cares about the things that you're dealing with. He cares about the stuff that you're struggling with, no matter how ugly, no matter how filthy. That's why it is the Lord Jesus who washes us, cleans, cleanses us, from all of our sins. So what does the scripture say? Come boldly before the throne of God so that you may obtain mercy and receive the help that you need when you need it. So that's the thing that we need to understand. God knows about us. He already knows what you're struggling with. And there is absolutely nothing that you should be afraid of coming to Jesus. Nothing that you should be ashamed of. Nothing that you should feel so unclean to come before the Lord. You don't come before Jesus because you're clean. You come before him because you are unclean and you are seeking the Lord. Him. What? Let me tell you something. When Jesus went to that cross, he didn't go to that cross for some sins. He went to that cross for all sins, for every imaginable sin that you can think of. So therefore, it is the blood of Jesus that you are seeking to wash you and to renew you. And this is a constancy at all times. But anyway. So let me go back because because that part took too long. But how do we deal with sexual sins? OK, and thus I want to go to a particular teaching in by the Apostle Paul in first Corinthians chapter nine. Now, the context of ch chapter nine, because actually it is eight, nine and ten. That's the that's the context of the passage. But I don't want to get into some long issue about trying to explain the context, but let me just simply give it to you this way. There are Christians who are Paul are calling strong Christians. They are eating foods that they bought in the idol's temple because in, in the, in the day of Paul, when there would be sacrifices to the idols, whatever these idolatrous gods were, uh, the, the, Worshippers who would sacrifice to the idols, of course, they would they would sacrifice with the best of animals. And thus, after having sacrificed whatever parts of the animals that they would sacrifice, they would they wouldn't want the remainder of those animal parts to go to waste because they were indeed some of the best parts of the animals. So oftentimes there would be like a market that would be uh, directly connected with the sacrifice of those animals and the meats from the sacrifice would be sold to the public. And what some of what Paul would, would call the strong Christians would do, they would buy those meats as the best meats. 
And now what some of the other Christians, which Paul referenced as the weaker Christians, they would see these Christians eating, buying meat that was sacrificed to idols, eating those meats that would be sacrificed, uh, uh, buying those meats sacrificed to the idols. And this would cause the weaker Christians to stumble because they would see it being a wrong thing. If you're a Christian, why would you do that? But so what Paul was simply saying was, and this is enough of that, because I got to bring it to a close because I will get to my point. He was simply saying that the stronger Christian, the stronger Christian should always be conscious of how his actions uh, affect the weaker Christians. Thus, the stronger Christians shouldn't buy foods that would be sacrificed to idols if it made the weaker Christian to stumble. All right. So, so that's the full context. First Corinthians eight, nine and 10. But now let's go in, let's zero in to even a greater contextual theme here as related to what I'm talking about now. That is dealing with issues concerning the body, the flesh. So Paul was also saying this, and he used himself as an example. And that's when we get into chapter nine, Paul using himself. Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? That is to follow me in these things, follow me in these things. What things I know that you would like to eat these meats. I know that this would be something that you would like. Notice you would like to eat the desire of the body, the desire of the flesh. Notice, see, see that general theme, desire of the body, desire of the flesh. I know that you would like to do it, to satisfy it, go and buy it. He said, however, the point is, Paul, going back to him again, follow my example and neglect the desires of your body so that you might win a prize, so that you might be approved by Christ, so that you might run the race. So, okay, so with all of that, let's just get into that part, okay? Because you're getting longer than I anticipated. Let's just get into that. But you see the overall context as we are pushing toward that in a specific way. All right, let's just go. Uh, first Corinthians nine, verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize run in such a way that you may win. So notice now Paul begins to give a, a, a parabolic uh, a scenario that they can understand what it is of self denial. Notice this parable. He gives the scene of a, a race runner. And this is the Greek races. These are the Greek, Greek games, which you would have a runner in a race. So Paul speaks parabolically. He says that all people notice you got a big race and everybody's running so that one, but only one receives the prize. Now you have to keep that part in mind too, because notice, the prize is the end goal. The prize is what? The end goal. And what are you doing? Running. And so therefore, what does Paul say? 
you run in such a way that you may win. And so notice he styles the Christian life as a race, the Christian life as a race. And it's a race that we want to win. There is a goal that we want to reach called the prize. Notice he continues on 25 and everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They, they then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable wreath. Now I like this part too. Notice what he says again, styling it as the Greek games in running a race. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. And so here is when he talks about that particular word here, that is the exercising of self-control. That's what that word means. And I like that too. If you're going to run in the race, you know, a race runner or one who competes in the game, you have to exercise self-control. And, and imagine that as, for instance, in our day in the, in the Olympics, right? Somebody in the game of the Olympics, what do they have to do as you prepare to compete in that final game for the final games, you have to make sure that you exercise daily, strenuously. You have to eat right. You have to have dietary constrictions. All these things you have to do what? Exercise self-control. And so this is also in the Christian life. What? We need, if we are going to reach the prize, if we are going to reach that verdict of Jesus saying, well done. If we will finish the course of life that God has set for us, if you are go, Oh my God, I almost want to preach it. It's if you are going to be a preacher of the gospel, you say, God has called me to preach and God has set me in life to do these things. If you are going to reach that prize, you have to exercise self-control. You have to restrain your appetites. You have to restrain your body. But before I get into that in particular, let's keep going with the scenario that Paul has set forward. Self-control in all things. And Paul says, but they do it. They uh, exercise this self-control so that in the end, once they compete in the games, they'll only receive a perishable wreath, this garland that is set upon the head of the victor. But this thing simply rots and, it, and it's perishable and it's dead. But we are competing for an imperishable wreath. It is a crown of victory that the Lord Jesus gives us in that day that will never perish away. So Theirs is for something that is temporal. Ours, we compete and we stress, uh, we stress the exercise of self-control for something that will be eternal. Let's keep going. 26. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I really like this in the Greek. I really like this in the Greek. I run in such a way as not without aim. 
I box in such a way as not being as not beating the air. But so let, let me do this in the Greek. I really like this in the Greek, guys. So let me just do this. So he says, Ego toy noon, who tos trekos uk adelos. That is by saying ego. That's that's the Greek word for I. I I toy noon. I indeed, or I therefore, who tos treko. That is in this way. In this way, run hosuk adelos. That is, and it, listen, as not with un, with us uncertainty. I do not simply run having no aim. I am running. I am just like those Greek guys in the race who uh, who discipline their bodies, who are running to reach the prize. I too am running and I am not running without aim. I'm not just simply out here preaching the gospel without an aim. I'm preaching the gospel because I got my mind set to a certain end, right? And then he continues to say what? Uh, back to that Greek. Who tos puktuo, tuo, hos uk era de ron. In this way, puktuo, notice, in this way, Puktuo, and that word simply means here is boxing. And I like that too. I, I like that. I like that. So let me calm down. So, who toes? So, or in this way, Puktuo, I am boxing. I'm going to come back to that. Puktuo. Hos uk era de ron. He said, so as not the air boxing. So as not one who is boxing the air, who is beating, beating the air. So, but here's the word, the reason why I want to come back to that word, puktuo. It is a present active indicative. Now, we ain't going to drown you guys in Greek grammar, but the point is, Paul is saying this. He is not saying that he boxed at one time. He is saying he is continually boxing. He, and also too, the word for beating the air. It is also a present tense verb. He is continually beating, but he's going to tell you what he is boxing. He is going to tell you what he is beating. But what I want to bring to you is that a, a verbal tense is a present tense. It is something that he is continually doing. Remember, what am I talking about? Because I don't want to lose you in the context overall. Sexual sins. Sexual sins are a derivative of the fallen nature of the flesh. They come from the body. We all got to deal with this stuff. Sexual sins are prevalent in the body all the time. It may go down at certain moments. The temptation and the drives may go down at certain moments, but sometimes all it takes is a visual clue, something that you see or a crazy thought that goes through your mind and now it's on fire again. And now you're struggling again. And now the desire for sex or pornography or some crap you're dealing with again. So here is the beauty of these verbs. Uh, 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 let me pronounce it right. The boxing, the present tense. I have to keep on boxing. He said, but 
My boxing is just like me running for the prize. It's not without aim. I'm not just simply boxing at nothing. I'm not just simply beating the air. But what, Paul? Let's continue on. Verse number 27. Uh, what? But I discipline my body. My what? My body. And make my body my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And that's okay. I like that too. We're going to the Greek, going to the Greek. So what, what does he say? Allah hupo piaxo muta soma and dua la gogo. That is, but, and that Allah is a strong, but, but what? Hupo piaxo. And again, once again, this is a present active indicative. That, and that word means to strike in the face. So what is Paul saying? Remember the whole point that he's been talking about here. Puktuo, that is what? To box and deron, that is to beat. And now he uses the verb what? Hupo piaxo, that is what? To strike in the face. So what Paul is saying is this, but, but, but the object, a strike in the face, what? I'll come back. I'll come back. Strike in the face, what? Mutosoma, my body. My, and soma here literally is talking about the physical body. So Paul is using in the sense, what? I am continuously, notice what he said. I am what? Continuously boxing. And I am continuously what? Beating, beating, and I am continuously, what? Striking blows to my body. And that is the key. And that is what we need to do. And that is what we, like Paul, are being commanded to do. What? In the fight, you need to recognize you are in a fight against your own body. You are fighting the desires that come from the very fallen nature of your body. Again, Romans chapter seven, Paul says, when I seek to do good, what evil is always present. I have to be delivered. Paul says, who will deliver me from this body, this body of death, this body of death. So the body is always throwing out desires, sinful desires, sexual desires, pornography, adultery, fornication, all of these wretched temptations. And you might as well be true to the game. We have to deal with these things. But what, what is the key? What brings victory? Paul says, this is what brought him victory. Or should I even say it in Paul's manner, that present active indicative of the Greek, that is the continual. It is a present thing. The conscious beating and the boxing. You have to fight your own body. And how do you fight your body? With the word of God. You fight your body with the promises of God. What is the, what are the promises of God? God has already granted us everything that pertains to life. 
God has already given you everything that you need to live a life that Jesus will be pleased of. He's already given you that. Put on the whole armor of God. The armor of God, notice you're putting on what? Armor, armor for a soldier. What do soldiers do? They fight. What has God already given you? The armor. God has already given you everything that you need to be equipped so that you can fight the sins from within, the sins from without. All you have to do is put it on. So therefore, what am I trying to say? In the beating of your body, God has given us everything that we need. What we need to do is be on our knees in prayer against these things. Always acknowledge the presence of these things and always do like Paul does to do what? To fight it, to fight our bodies and beat it. And I like that thing when it says to discipline, that's a weak word. That's a weak word for hupopioxo. The word, and I, that's the understanding. I understand that that's the understanding, but that word is strong and that word is very graphical. It means to deliver blows. Imagine a joker in the ring and he's up against the ropes in the ring and you're a boxer. And as he's on the rope, it kind of brings my mind to Mike Tyson. And, and he's just boom, 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 boom. And this is what we do, that we might have victory over these encroaching sexual sins. And Paul says in the end, what? I make it my slave. I subdue my body. I do not allow my body. I don't allow context, sexual sins to rule over me. That's why I, I love that. Anytime you see that hoopoe coming in, that is to bring that idea of being submitted to in some sense of the way. But I Bring my body in submission to me. I bring my body and all of its desires, the desire for sex, pornography, whatever. I'm the master. I tell you what to do. You don't tell me. And you see, you see the conversation you're having with your flesh? Your flesh, your body is saying, ooh, would you like to do that? Ooh, would you like to do that? And ooh, 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 and all of these desires of sexual immorality of whatever the source might be saying to you, do it, wouldn't you like to do it? And you say to your body, you bring it into, that's that word, that's that word, hupo, piaxo. You tell your body, I am in control. I am the master. And I tell you what to do and you don't tell me what to do. And in the name of Jesus, I exercise. Okay, here's my armor. I put on the whole armor of God and here is my righteousness. God has given me everything to live this righteous life. You will not have the rule over me. And thus you make your body subject to you. Paul says, lest so that what? After I have preached to others, I find myself out there preaching the gospel, preaching righteous living to other folk that I have preached to others. I might myself will not be disqualified. So I have to, Paul is saying what? I 
have to discipline striking the blows, subjecting my own physical body and its appetites to my will, lest while I'm out there preaching the gospel of righteousness, telling other people, now you need to live this way and you cannot do these things and you don't need to commit adultery and fornication. Lest while I'm preaching this stuff to other people, I myself be disqualified from receiving the prize. I'm disqualified from the race. I am disqualified from preaching. Why? Because I'm failing and I'm falling into the very same sins that I'm telling other people not to do. So the end is, and, I, and I'm ending right here. What do we do? Sex, all manner of perversion. Don't pretend. You fight these things. I fight these things. Whether it's Pornography, adultery, whatever it might be, whatever it might be. I don't want to get into the panorama of what all these things could be. You know, homosexuality, it doesn't matter. Christians struggle with sin from the pulpit to the pews. All Christians struggle with these sexual sins. Be straight about it. Pray about it. Arm yourself with all that God has given you and then go to war. What did Paul say? He says boxing, beating, landing blows, and making it a servant. Go to war with your own body so that sexual sins do not actually come to fruition. That is, if you don't box it within, you'll do it without. All right, guys, thanks for joining me. See you next time.